Welcome to Pop Psych. I'm your host, Ignatius. And today we're going to do another segment of What Now What? As I said before, What Now What? is really just a recap of what's happened in the news, uh, what's happened to pop culture in the last week. So let's just dive right in, shall we? One of the biggest stories that we have to talk about, it's obligatory, it's historic, must be mentioned. The Supreme Court has made marriage equality legal nationally in the United States of America. That's right, people. As I'm sure you already know by this point, since it's been all over everywhere, the Supreme Court finally made the decision that it is unconstitutional to deny same-sex couples the right to marry. This is absolutely historic, groundbreaking. It's a big deal for the country. And a lot of other countries, um, they've had referendums, they've had votes, um, there's been legislation passed, but we actually had to go through the judicial process in this country to get marriage equality because there are so many people that don't support it. It seems weird that in 2015 there are still people who don't support marriage equality, but what are you going to do? Now it's legal, now it's legal in every state, and all of those holdout states, the last 14 states that never signed on or never had any sort of act uh, to make marriage equality legal in their states, now they have to. It's really been interesting, though, because you've been seeing a lot of Republican pushback from different governors and um, local state officials saying that um, they're going to allow their magistrates and their uh, state officials to uh, be able to refuse to perform marriages. Um, there's even a county in um, Louisiana, I believe it was, that they, the county magistrate or whatever he is, decided that they weren't going to have any weddings performed there if he had to be forced to um, sign off on same-sex marriages, he just decided that no one can get married in that county. So that seems real great. Um, but it's really interesting, um, as I said, because there have been a lot of people, a lot of people that are coming out and saying, oh, well, this is an attack on religious freedom. Um, you know, this is an attack on religious people in general, and this is this and that is that. Let me just clarify something really quickly for you. It's not an attack on religious freedom to have same-sex people getting married. There are a lot of people in this country who have different belief systems that do not mean that or do not say that gay marriage is wrong or that same-sex relationships are wrong. So why would you try to force your religious values onto a group of people who don't believe in that way? That's not religious freedom. That actually is religious intolerance, which is what we supposedly were trying to escape when Americans first came over, or when the British first came over, I should say, um, to establish what is now the United States of America. However, there has been a big backlash that came out afterwards that didn't come from the right. A big backlash that came from actually, the LGBT community itself. 
There were a lot of people that almost immediately, as soon as the decision came down from the Supreme Court that gay marriage would be legal, there were just as soon people going out and saying, hey, there's still lots of other work to be done. There's still lots of other problems that we have with LGBT community. It's not just about marriage. You know, I mean, there are still states in this country, in the United States of America, where you can be fired from your job for being gay. There are states in this country where you can be evicted from your home because you are gay. There are places in this country where they have the legal right to refuse you service just because you are gay. So there's still work to be done even though we've had a really big victory. I want to go on and continue um, to talk about uh, a documentary that I actually saw, which was quite interesting. Um, and just giving a little shout out to uh, Lacey Schwartz, um, who is the director, writer, producer for Little White Lie, uh, which actually is a story about Lacey Schwartz herself. Lacey Schwartz was raised in upstate New York, and she grew up believing that she was a white Jewish girl from New York. Well, it wasn't until she actually attended college and applied to college um, that she discovered her heritage, I should say. So Lacey applied to Georgetown University. And at Georgetown University, they, like any other school, ask what your ethnicity is. Um, but Lacey was confused by this question. She had always identified as white, and white actually wasn't one of the options. I believe it read as Caucasian or something to that nature. And so she didn't identify with any of the boxes that they wanted her to check into. Um, but she did um, have to send in a picture because at Georgetown, there's this thing called the Facebook, and um, that was before Facebook actually came around, where you would actually send in a photo um, and the freshman class would then have a book put together with everybody's photo in it so you could you know, meet people and all that sort of stuff. But the thing is, when Lacey sent in her photo but didn't select her ethnicity or her nationality or her race, um, then she was classified by Georgetown University as a black girl or as a black young woman, I should say. Um, and so she was admitted as a black student, and she actually got a offer to be a part of the BSA there, the Black Student Alliance. And she joined, and she spent her freshman year really exploring this side of herself that she had never really thought about too much, um, which led her to then go back to uh her mother and a stat and find out exactly what was going on with her race, um, why it was that she looked so differently than the rest of her family. And I'm not going to spoil it, although it seems pretty obvious, but you should still see it just the same. It's a really well done documentary that talks about her experience growing up as a white child, but in a all white area and going to an all white school and also growing up believing that she's white, but having darker skin uh, than the rest of them, having curlier hair, 
Um, and her family had explanations for that that you know made sense to them and made sense to the community. But what's really striking and what I found really interesting about this documentary is that nobody really questioned it further than the couple of, you know, oh, you know, what are you? Oh, well, you know, she gave a, a short little answer about her family history and everybody just kind of believed it and didn't really think too much about it. And I heard her say this, and I heard a couple of other people say it, that they just kind of didn't think about race. They were surrounded by white people. Everybody was white. So they didn't have to be confronted with race. They didn't have to think about how race might affect their lives because it didn't. And it brought me to the realization that this is probably the struggle that many white people have in this country. Um, They don't interact with race even though they are privileged by their their race um and so because they don't really interact with it they don't notice how it affects their friends who are of color um then they don't really have a frame of reference when they hear about some of the injustices that people of color face in this country they don't really understand what is it that's going on or how it could be possible that they could, you know, that people of color are being mistreated or being treated in any way other than the way that they have always been treated and that it's about if you work hard, you can get anything done. But this story about this girl um, or this woman um, and her experience uh, with race and kind of really switching races um, really does show that issue um, among the white community. Now, that's not to say that white people can just get a pass on saying ignorant things about race. No, you still need to educate yourself. Google is your friend. Any and everything that you want to know about black people, about Latino people, about Asians, about Native Americans, about any group that may immigrate over here, everything that you could possibly want to know is on the internet. You found me by using the internet. So if you have questions about race, if you don't understand something about race, look it up. Don't ask your black friends to explain it to you, or at least not unless you know that they're okay explaining that sort of thing to you. But really do the research. Figure it out. Educate yourself. But I will say, again, that I do have a little bit more understanding of where they're coming from, of where white people are coming from, and where they just don't really understand how race has an impact, even though they're the ones who kind of constructed race in order to have the negative impacts against people of color that they do. So it's really quite interesting, and and you really should uh, take a look at it and and give it a view. Um, But it actually kind of brings me to, you know, my next thing with race, which... Um, actually, is Amy Schumer. Um, for those of you who don't know, Amy Schumer is a internet comedian who became um, super popular and um, ended up getting her own TV show and has done a lot of different programs and has viral videos and all that sort of stuff. Um, but Amy Schumer has been getting in a lot of hot water because um, apparently there have been a number of um, articles that have been written about Amy Schumer and race. 
And Amy Schumer actually fought back against some of the criticism that she had about her joking about race or addressing race um, in a way that's been considered to be offensive to black people and other people of color. Um, and she kind of fought back and said, hey, look, I'm not the one that you should be fighting. Trust me. And this is her exact quote. Trust me. I'm not a racist. Um, and this may very well be true. It may be true that Amy Schumer is not a racist, and I don't necessarily throw that uh, term around lightly. But at the same time, you can't have promo videos for your TV show where all of the dancers who are scantily clad and shaking their butts on the camera are all black and Latino women. Um, yes, we know black people and Latinos got some rhythm. I get it. But that doesn't mean that you have the right to sexually objectify a, a group of people that continues to be sexually objectified to this very day. Now, Amy Schumer is a big advocate for feminism and uh, women's rights, and so let's you know not take that from her, and a lot of her work has been to kind of address those sorts of issues. But at the same time, she has this kind of blind spot, as this uh, article said, blind spot when it comes to race. She doesn't really see how um, the things that she is doing is actually offensive and problematic. Um, and this is actually kind of back to my issue about Little White Lie in that if you grow up in a space where you never have to confront race, you never have to worry about not getting a job or not being admitted to a school or not being even invited to a stupid sleepover because of your race, then you don't have to worry about it and you don't think about it. But that doesn't mean that what you do does not have racial ramifications, does not have offensive um, undertones and connotations. So, you know, it's really uh, quite interesting to see her kind of push back and say, look, I'm not a racist, you know, I um, understand, um, you know, the struggles or, you know, the situations with people of color. I'm not the enemy. Um, you know, don't attack me um, over this. Um, but then you also have to say, well, you're a public figure, you're putting yourself out there, and as everybody likes to tout, especially on the, on the right, there's freedom of speech in this country. So if you're going to go out and you're going to say these racist things, and you're going to do these racist things and put up racist jokes, then even if you don't think that they're racist, people have a right to respond and tell you to shut the fuck up. So just a thought. But also want to kind of give an update on a little bit of political news. Um, so, of course, we have the Republicans entering the presidential race, and we have a couple of things going on there. Um, Chris Christie just announced that he's running for for president, so yay, Chris Christie. Um, looks like it's going to be an uphill battle for him, though. I was looking at uh, a lot of the articles that have been coming out around him, and Chris Christie has been declining in popularity over the last few years. He kind of started really hot. He was this guy who was coming out and telling it like it is, and, you know, I'm not going to mince words, and da-da-da-da-da. And then, you know, he's kind of plummeted, especially with the whole Bridgegate thing. Um, but, you know, 
Chris Christie has entered the race, so it should be pretty interesting. Anyway, he's in the race now. He's probably not going to win, but good luck with that. Um, other politicians who are in the potential race, Bobby Jindal. Um, Bobby Jindal and his political campaign thought it would be a great idea to put up a hashtag AskBobby campaign on Twitter. Um, I guess they forgot to check with uh, Bill Cosby when that whole thing backfired on him. Um, but sure, go ahead, ask Bobby. Um, of course, as with anything, uh, there are internet trolls and other regular people joining the fight um, to embarrass the hell out of Bobby Jindal by asking him ridiculous questions. Um, I think I saw one question that, you know, <laughs> talked about um, Bobby Jindal's uh, issue with his own race. Um, for those of you who don't know, he has um, portraits that are done of him that have lightened his skin to make him look like a white man, um, despite the fact that he is a Indian American. But anyway, so he's been getting a lot of uh, flack for that. And I encourage you, go ahead, ask him some ridiculous questions. Pop Psych even went through and asked a, a couple of questions. So Go through, go through on Twitter for all of you loyal Twitter fans and followers. Go out there and ask, hashtag AskBobby. And to wrap it up with a little bit of a fun story, uh, Bristol Palin, former um, or the daughter of the former vice presidential candidate, Sarah Palin. Of course, anything that comes out of the Palin camp is going to be littered with bullshit, but just so you go, Bristol Palin is pregnant again, and Bristol Palin is an adult now. She's 24 years old. She is perfectly happy and able to have a child anytime that she wants to. However, what's really interesting is that Bristol Palin is the same girl who, during the 2008 presidential election, uh, when she was in the national spotlight, that was pregnant as a teenager. Now, I'm not here to judge anybody. My mother had me when she was a teenager. She got pregnant with me. That is not at all where I'm going with this. But what my mother did not do, and what many most uh, what most people don't do, is then turn around and become an advocate for abstinence um, which, as we have seen multiple times in diff many different instances, abstinence-only education doesn't work. Um, and she's been an abstinence advocate for a particular company where she was being paid to go around and promote abstinence as a way of life um, and, I guess, maybe use her teenage pregnancy as a cautionary tale. She got pregnant again at age 24 while she is going out and telling young men and women to stay abstinent until marriage. So the woman who's being paid $30,000 per gig to go and speak to people about abstinence is still having sex before marriage and is then ends up getting pregnant, which is further evidence of the fact that she not only had sex, but I would imagine had sex unprotected in order to end up pregnant. So tell me, how is this supposed to be a good example for anyone? 
Um, and then, uh, to top all of it off, she then announced her pregnancy by saying that it was a disappointment on her blog. Um, of course, uh, the next day or a couple days after that, she came out and said, well, I didn't mean disappointment like that. I meant I was planning on having another kid, but I wasn't going to have one right now, and da-da-da-da, and I'm very happy to have this kid, and da-da-da. And, you know... I'm sorry, but I don't believe you, Bristol Palin. You're an idiot. You got pregnant at 17, then you became an abstinence um, advocate, which doesn't even make sense because you didn't practice abstinence yourself, and then you got pregnant again out of wedlock while you were preaching abstinence. How much more of a hypocrite can you be? And then she goes on you know, to media sites and say, oh, don't lecture me, don't lecture me. You're going around and giving lectures on abstinence. And again, as I said with Amy Schumer, Bristol Palin, if you don't want people to lecture you, then why don't you go away? Just completely disappear. Because if you're going to be in the public eye and you want to say these things and you want to make all of these you know, moralizing judgments about people, then maybe you should take a look at your own backyard and think about what it is that you're doing. So... Thanks again for listening to Pop Psych. Uh, again, I'm your host, Ignatius. Please follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash poppsych or follow us on Twitter at thepoppsych. Make sure to check out our blog. We actually just posted a delicious recipe for blueberry banana bread at poppsych.weebly.com. That's poppsych.w e-e-b-l-y dot com make sure to send us your questions and comments to poppsych at gmail.com otherwise pop you later